Hey everyone, it's Crystal, and I hope everyone is being safe out there. We were really lucky that we had a few episodes in the vault before everything got shut down. Unfortunately, last week's episode was the last of those episodes, and this next episode is our first remote recording. Uh, And this is just a heads up that the sound quality is not where I would like it to be. We tested out our system and thought we were ready to go, but unfortunately, not so much. I thought about skipping a week, but it's just such a fun episode. And I've listened to some other podcasts as other people are figuring the same thing out. And trust me, it could be a lot worse. You can be sure that we will fix this issue for future episodes. Hopefully you'll stick with us. Until then, enjoy this slightly glitchy episode all about a staple among black aunties everywhere waiting to exhale. Welcome back to Black Card Rehab, the show where we go from zero to black one episode at a time. I am joined by my white friend, Paige. Hi, Paige. Hello. Hi. Uh, Paige, who is, uh, as if you're listening to this podcast regularly, you know, often blacker than I am. So (laughs) uh, Paige, on a scale of zero to black, how are you feeling today? (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I am feeling... (laughs) attacked by this movie a bit but that's okay they had it coming uh that's i if i could if i i i would say this movie has two villains and Mm -hmm. it's men and then just below that is white women like just below uh but yeah i'm i'm gonna say i am feeling young donald Faison in this movie Ooh, okay okay kind of like you know freewheeling but ultimately good at heart yeah <laughs> and um, crystal on a scale from zero to black how are you feeling today i think i am i am feeling any angela bassett monologue ever oh my god <laughs> boy does she have them like this movie if if this movie highlights anything, it's A, how frighteningly beautiful Angela Bassett is, but also B, how much better her monologues are versus Whitney Houston's. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's okay. like two different people wrote this movie. <laughs> so let's just, yeah, let's get into it. So today, if you haven't been able to tell, we are covering, we are reviewing Waiting to Exhale, a movie that I failed to watch because I was a child. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that I cannot stress that enough. I was, was it night? So it was 1998. I was, I want to say a, a freshman and look, you know, maybe I didn't have the right aunties and, you know, big, whatever cousins around and uh, to, to, peep me to some game but i missed this one. Um, uh, i hate i hate to disappoint but this movie came out in 1995 oh it was so, 95 oh yeah, yeah even so yeah. you were okay. even younger yes even younger so yeah. yeah i was uh oh my god i was in sixth grade what the hell yeah i 1995 i was um i was eight <laughs> so i i feel okay for missing this first time around yeah. but The reason why I had 1998 in my mind is because I've also pulled this up because let's just, okay. I had Forrest Whitaker directed directed this movie. 
Yes. But also it just took me down this rabbit hole of other movies that he did, which the movie that he did direct in 1998, Hope Floats. What? Yes. See, I I didn't fall down that specific rabbit hole, but I did see his name in the opening credits and then was looking for him the whole movie. And I was like, where's Forrest Whitaker in this? And then when I looked at Wikipedia later, because I was like, I have questions. Um, that's when I found out he directed it. And that's also when I found out that this movie is set in Phoenix. Phoenix. That's honestly, that's the biggest reveal of all. Girl, I'm not the first 40 minutes of this movie. I'm like, this is a very southwestern looking. Yeah. And I, I was trying, I was like, where is this movie supposed to be? And then like you see Angela Bassett's house in the middle of the friggin' desert. And I was just like, is this Los Angeles? Like, does she live in like Palm Springs or something? But then the other houses don't look that way. Like Whitney Houston's house looks like it looks like it's in San Francisco. And I'm just like, what is happening? And then I pulled up the Wikipedia and it's like set in Phoenix. I was like, Phoenix. What? Oh my God. That oh wild. And they don't address it at all. Like never. No one ever says Phoenix. I feel like it's in like, okay. I don't know why, but it this made me think of other times in movies where you're like, you know, you you kind of get annoyed because they they are addressing they they feel the need to highlight, oh, this couple is they're gay, you know, or this couple mm-hmm. is, you know, they're they're mixed couple and they keep they highlight it in a weird way. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just get tired of that. You're like, well, you know, these things just exist. Why can't they just be in a movie or be in a film without it being like highlighted like this? You know what I mean? Right. And this I felt the exact opposite where it's like, how are you going to just drop four black women in Phoenix and not talk about it at all? <laughs> no, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take you one step further. <laughs> at one point in this film, Whitney Houston goes to what is ostensibly a nightclub that looks like a restaurant for 60 year old white women who go to painting parties. And it is filled with black people. There's not a white person in attendance. And for Phoenix, like that's what I kept, I was without the internet. Okay. That got to me after the second or third time when someone (laughs) met somebody and was like, it's nice to finally get to meet you. Our answering machines. I was like, Oh my God, this is before the internet. They're all going to get murdered. (laughs) Every single one of these people is about to get murdered by a person that they have never seen that they have only talked to on the phone. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, that I was like was <laughs> when I read Phoenix, I was like, I have I've seen a total of two white people in this entire film. Yes. And you're telling me that it is set in Arizona? Like which Arizona? Not the one I know of. <laughs> so crazy. At a no point did they at all mentioned Arizona. Not at all. <laughs> I, I know have you're to, obsessed with. <laughs> I'm very well. To be fair, Arizona is at least two to three hours away from Phoenix, yes. and I don't know how motivated this crowd would be to have bears very close to their cars. 
Yeah, it um, seems like a very anti-black moment. It's, it's <laughs> a pretty, out. it's a pretty white activity to just be like, nature's not going to hurt me, right? Like that's <laughs> that's what white people do on their, their free time <laughs> is test the limits of nature. Mm-hmm. Haven't you seen Tiger King? Like that's our wheelhouse. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I Phoenix was wild. That got me. What also got me was. I was convinced that I had seen this movie like 10 (laughs) plus years ago. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, at the end, Angela Bassett burns that car. And then to realize in rewatching it that that is 18 minutes because I timed it. I was like, how long is this? She is she is torturing a car from the jump at 18 minutes in. And I was like, what happens in the rest of this movie? (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. I've clearly not seen this movie at all. I am completely perplexed. And then literally right after that, we get into Robin's encounter with a man that I can only describe as cosplaying as Cedric, the entertainer, <laughs> and, which her, yes. her parade of people she is sleeping with. Yes. I don't know. How does this movie manage to give the most exposition, but none of the essential exposition? 100%. I I would, I would agree with that. I, because there was so much that I, maybe if I had been like, there was so much that maybe if I had been watching or read the book, I would have had some more insight into what's going on for these characters. Like, right. Especially, Layla's character um yes like I was like are we are we just supposed to assume up top that she has low self-esteem because yeah. I don't see any indication of that besides yeah. the fact she's a business owner I'm like this doesn't make uh any sense and also like even if you have that low self-esteem you know where you're picking dudes that are like not at your level like the amount of theatrics that she does for this guy who's like clearly just happy to see a naked woman. I'm like, <laughs> why would you go through all, like the lingerie and like creating a moment? I'm like, girl, just take your clothes off. Like the dude will be happy. Like, it was boggling my mind because <laughs> her voiceover, which by the way, I haven't seen this much voiceover in a oh movie my, yeah. in my entire life. <laughs> the only time and and in the beginning i was trying to do the good film student thing of like there must be a reason why they made this choice and my initial thought was actually kind of like my initial i gave them the benefit of the doubt and i was like well when you think about it all of these women are in situations where their voice is not heard and so in a way we're kind of seeing that in the voiceover. And if you want to extrapolate that out societally, it is very notable that we are looking at a group of all African-American women whose voices are not necessarily heard as much as they should be. And maybe this is kind of this cinematic personification of them having an interior monologue in a life and a place where they do not feel that that monologue can be exterior. Uh, hmm. That is giving wow. way too much credit to this film. 
I, I honestly, I think so. I think this was like maybe her first screenplay. I, this is what I was, I thought of too, is like, it's not just internal monologue, like Angela Bassett, like, I don't know if you realize, but like, she delivers that entire monologue where she's like, yeah, with no one there, out loud, too close. (laughs) And I'm like, good for you, because you fucking killed it. Oh, she's amazing. (laughs) Us. I think it's us. But... And I think it's maybe an attempt to bridge the gap between the book and the movie where it's like, this is information that you need to know that we don't have time to get into. And I think, God, I mean, there are times in this movie where they switch from talking out loud to immediately going to voiceover. And there's a hot second where I'm like, did they just ADR this wrong? Is like, is she supposed to be talking, talking to the people who are there or, or is she supposed to? Are we not? Are who is hearing this? <laughs> like, yes. Who are they talking to? Um, the thing that I obviously, while the while Angela Bassett's part is you know going, I'm obviously thinking of the Mary J. Blige song. Yes, not gonna cry, which also happens to be part of the soundtrack of this movie. Oh, the soundtrack and, of this movie is amazing. The, the soundtrack is amazing. The levels are. Not right. Um, like sometimes <laughs> people are talking and you could fully hear the lyrics of the song playing in the background. Yes. And yeah. I'm like, wait, do they hear that too? Or is that just for us? <laughs> yeah. Is, is this, so there's actually, it, there is a film school word for that. Uh, what is it's, that? It's referred to as diegetic or non-diegetic sound. So diegetic sound are sounds that we, the audience hear, but the characters in the story also hear it. Non-diegetic mm-hmm. sound is like the score. It's what we don't hear. Mm-hmm. And there are a few movies where something transitions from one to the other. Like a really famous one is the movie Almost Famous where there's a song that starts playing and we think that it's just the score, but then everyone in the scene starts singing it. Mm-hmm. so that and it's rare but it happens but in this movie the sound mix is so bad you're not a hundred percent on what they can hear versus what you can hear compounded with the voiceover which is non-diegetic mm-hmm. but is inner splashed just constantly uh so you you're not really sure who's hearing what um and I would say that certain characters have much more interesting and compelling voiceovers than other characters do. Yes. Which, like, example? Uh, Angela Bassett's amazing. Every single thing she has in either voiceover or actually spoken, she is... This movie is her movie. I know it's supposed to be an ensemble cast. No. This is Angela Bassett's movie, and she is so astoundingly gorgeous. I can't believe anyone would ever leave her. And then, oh yeah, the the crazy part, <laughs> and this everywhere. is what I, even more so because, and this is what I was about to look up when we started recording. <laughs> In looking at the Wikipedia, I'm looking at the list of like the cast list because I wanted to confirm. That we were seeing our boy Leon, which we were. Um, yes. But <laughs> if you get all the way to the end, 
It says Kelly Preston, uncredited as Kathleen. And I was like, where the hell was Kelly Preston in this movie? Kelly Preston, wife of John Travolta, Scientologist of note. And I think, and I'm trying to confirm, I think that that Angela Bassett's husband is is leaving her for the girl she Uh slaps in that boardroom i think it might be kelly preston and i'm trying Mm -hmm. to confirm i think it is i'm trying to freeze frame it because she turns she's like i've got the reports for blah 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 yes oh my god it is her it's kelly preston (laughs) so yeah so there's a movie (laughs) i she just gets, she's the most basic looking white woman. Every white woman in this movie might as well be faceless, which is hilarious. <laughs> Funniest thing in the world. There's so, there's really only two of them. Um, <laughs> and, and Kelly Preston exists in this scene solely to say the reports are what? And then stand up and get slapped so hard by Angela Bassett. Her head goes clean around. <laughs> She goes <laughs> owl levels, just like, and then what was, I was looking for the whole scene. She like floor, like she does not get up and you oh, don't see so her funny. leave. And so you have well, to she's imagine there the whole time. That she's there the whole time. <laughs> where they're just like screaming over her unconscious body. <laughs> oh, it was so great. Well, oh, and man. also, like, the whole movie kicks off with her getting ready. Like, she's already ready to go out, and he tells her that yeah. she's not going with him. You're like, this could have been useful before I showered, asshole. Oh, my God. Oh, he's pure dag nasty evil. Like, that guy is like Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. Like she's going through his suits. His closet looks like it's about to be on an episode of MTV's Cribs. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's displayed. And I was like, mm-hmm. no one's shopping here. Why, why do you have this displayed? It's your closet. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that, I mean, so, okay, so I I really was trying to put myself back in the, the like, I don't know, I guess the mindset of, like, the 90s, and yeah. my main thing that I kept coming up against is, like, these women are supposed to be, like, around our age now. Yes. And I, and yet I feel so much, I still feel like a kid compared to these women. Like, yeah, I don't feel like I'm that womanly or that adult, you know, like, yeah. And and I guess what I would wonder, I mean, at least one, two, at least two of the four main characters have children mm-hmm. and either are or have been married in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if it's more of just a cultural societal difference that we're seeing because yeah. you and I are freewheeling adult ladies in the people's gay public of Drugafornia where mm-hmm. we are not married well I'm married <laughs> uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm <laughs> I am recently married uh, we co-parent a cat and mm-hmm. 
there's not a lot of that truly family stability as far as our immediate lives and partners. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I just, yeah, I felt like I was like, oh, did did people just expect more of women in the nineties? I think so. <laughs> Maybe I I was watching it and I was rooting for Angela Bassett because I was like she's the best. And yeah. then I also like I I mean I would say I feel the most like Whitney Houston, but then not really. You, you mean know, because you can act. But no, because <laughs> she can't. Um, <laughs> um, okay, let's wait. Let, can we just? take a moment to acknowledge that at one point she is counseling her, one of her best friends to stop dating somebody who's on crack. Yes. In yes. This movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I was okay. like, uh, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> now I, I also was slightly confused because <laughs> the the movie specifically with Lena Rashad's storyline introduces so much information that may or may not be connected. So mm-hmm. she, the, she's like, that guy did crack. And then she like talks to Russell. He comes over. It's Leon. He looks amazing. Everybody <laughs> loved Leon. And then for a minute, I was like, is he the one on crack? Because that's the best looking crackhead I've ever seen. But then the next day, that guy shows up who she's saying he's drunk, Mm -hmm. but very much playing what I would refer to as like an improv 101 crackhead. Um, And it is... Um, while saying, because I wrote it down, have, have a fruit bowl tramp. <laughs> I didn't even hear that. <laughs> I heard it and I was like, what? <laughs> I rewound it because I was like, did I just hear what I thought I heard? Yeah. <laughs> sure enough, I did. I do also want to highlight the fact that He's complaining that it's hot outside, and that's because he's wearing a full leather ensemble (laughs) that consists of leather pants and a leather vest, no shirt. No shirt under it. Not at all. No, and I I was primarily distracted in that scene by the swelling string, like... The the at that point the sound design takes a sh- like a hard left yeah and switches from R and B music to like it's like an orchestra and yes. I can't understand why like I was like is this a seminal moment for her like I I mean what what boggled my mind so and again maybe this is something where if I was if I read the book I maybe would have. A, maybe this would make more sense if I read the book, but I feel like I don't really understand what her character's roadblock is to finding a good relationship, aside from just her picking badly, which it kind of introduces. Or she's in fucking Phoenix. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> which, Why are we never made, talking about the fact you, that... 
own a full leather outfit in Phoenix. <laughs> um, I, cause what, like, boggled my mind about that scene is I'm like, if you get to fuck Leon, if that's mm-hmm. your dude, and that's the one mm-hmm. she's quote unquote truly in love with, mm-hmm. if you can have that whenever, why are you bothering with the dude throwing oranges at you? And the score seems to underscore it like, have you ever seen <laughs> like old yeller where it's like, go on, <laughs> don't you see I don't want you anymore? Leave, go on, get out of here. But it's kind of like that, where it's this like the strings of like, look, this is so tragic and sad. He's yeah, revealing right. his true character. But this is the first time we've ever met that guy. Like, we had no real preamble to that guy's deal or their relationship. Oh, yeah, was there. oh I guess that's right. Yeah, he, he took her to this party that she didn't want to be at. Right. She was wearing that really, like amazing white dress that's like tied yes where it's got the ties in the set every every piece of clothing in this movie is amazing Um, yes but like that introduction is not enough for us to have definite feelings about him having some weird character trajectory Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're like we haven't gotten to know him enough and i guess that was whitney houston's point Uh, but (laughs) there i'm not tied to him as a character i'm tied to her and I guess I'm excited to see her standing up for herself, but it doesn't seem like much, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I, I was like, I think if I had, mm, I, ju- I just, I'm trying to figure out like if I, it's so hard watching things like this, you know, like yeah. at, at, after having seen all the things that I have seen and I've seen like what, movies can be you know like and my taste has developed and my expectations have changed and even seen like what specifically black artists are created are are capable of yeah and I felt like this was it's like it's just very uneven and I feel like I would it actually made me sad because I was like if I could if I had grown up watching it I could just have the nostalgia for like the like you know the quotable moments yeah like you know like have, we all have a fruit bowl tramp yes but like you know when we had Cornelia on like yes this was a movie that she brought up and it's like it seems like she has an emotional attack like I wish I could have I could go back in time and have that emotional attachment to the, I have I have some emotional attachment to some of the songs that I heard in the right. movie but not, you know what I mean? Not any of the scenes. Well, and here is something that I felt. Let me know if this is consistent with your experience, I guess. In watching it, I had this feeling of this is what every like black on like ensemble cast movie, female ensemble cast movie since is trying to be where mm. it's it's got a very like I kept watching it and feeling like I was seeing snippets of other movies that are more recent in it where mm-hmm. I'm like I feel like everyone's trying to be this and at one point when they're all in the salon I was mm-hmm. struck by how similar it was to even like Steel Magnolias and I was like I'm really interested in now the book 
to see like <laughs> how that dynamic plays out in the book. There's got to be more in that book that we're just not seeing on the screen that they're trying to give us via voiceover that has kind of that, you know, integral ensemble feel. And I think what's really interesting is to see kind of echoes of it since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the the thing that comes to mind in terms of like, um, like a well done movie kind of weaving together several storylines is I really love the hours. Mm. And that is it, it. It's it's there's it's weird because there's something about like this movie that feels like there's there's such very different stories happening that it yeah. almost feels inconsequential that they're friends other than the fact that like we want to see that i kept asking myself how they knew each other and the Mm -hmm. only thing i could come up with was the salon which is steel magnolias essentially but i was like but we're hardly ever in the salon exactly i feel like there was only one or two scenes yeah yeah and and i was like is the only thing that connects them the fact that that they all go to the same place to get their hair done which if we're looking societally, yeah, I mean, maybe that is the thing, you mm-hmm. know, but there's a part of me and this may be my white experience where I don't go to the salon as often. And so mm-hmm. I know my stylist, I know about her family and her kids, but like, I don't know anybody else there, you mm-hmm. know, especially because yeah. it's like part of the Scientology building. So <laughs> It's kind of weird that I go there at all, but like, <laughs> you know, that that's just not necessarily a consistent experience for me, but I don't know. And, and yeah. how did they, well, I guess, okay, here, this was the web I think I mapped out <laughs> in my brain. Whitney Houston and Angela Bassett have been friends forever. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Then. Uh, yeah. Yes. Angela Bassett gets her hair done by Loretta Devine, mm-hmm. who also does Robin or Lena Rashawn's mm-hmm. hair. Mm-hmm. But Lena Rashawn seems to just be hanging out there like during the day. Mm-hmm. But then that other stylist who we never see again, <laughs> he's the one who ran into Angela Bassett and told them about the divorce. Right. So they're not necessarily close enough that she would call, except for Whitney Houston. (laughs) Which, to me, I think the one time that we really see them as, like, friends enjoying each other's company, and Mm -hmm. also as, like, the thesis statement of the movie of, like, Mm -hmm. men are the problem, is an Mm -hmm. hour and a half into the movie. (laughs) And the movie's only two hours long. Well, Uh, I will point, I would like to point out that maybe like within five minutes of the movie starting, they do actually, somebody verbally refers to the title. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it was Whitney. And then she does it again later. She um, does do it again later. Oh my God. We haven't even talked about the guy using her toothbrush. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I took notes on that whole interaction. <laughs> I was just like, what the hell is happening here? And then she still, yeah, she still. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here, just, I have bullet points. Uh, I, <laughs> I have written down in order, 
Uh, first, it took me 40 minutes in a Wikipedia article to realize this was set in Phoenix. <laughs> Great. Uh, then I just have toothbrush, jobless, stoner, hot dogs, no change. He didn't bring her back the change. And then no foreplay. But the best part about that yeah. entire scene is her face. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> over his shoulder. It's the best acting she does in the entire movie. But the thing is, is that at one point, is it during that scene or, oh no, it's when she's like, oh yeah, with the guy that she really wants to end up, the president from Dennis, 24. Dennis Haysbert, the one who's going to sell me insurance? Yeah, the State Farm guy. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a new um, commercial that like, you know, save 15% or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a moment where um, I think she's with him. And like, it's the first time you see them making love. And I was like, what is that noise happening? Like, and then it took me like a minute to realize, oh, this is her exhaling again. Like they <laughs> they put in a long, like a, like over, like it's not her in the scene. It's like, yeah, like it, it, I was like, oh my god, it's supposed to be her breathing again. Oh yeah, that's right, because it's called waiting to exhale. Okay, got it. <laughs> well, she seems to be the only one that talks about it that really verbalizes that idea of holding your breath for something great to happen and then essentially waiting to exhale. Which makes me wonder: is she the main character of the book? Right. right. Is she supposed to be the main character of this movie? <laughs> I don't know that she is. I mean, I, and maybe this is just me loving Angela, every second of Angela Bassett on the screen, but I'm just like, this is her movie. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm, I'm like really invested in Loretta Devine's story with her and Gregory Hines. And I was like, I'd watch a whole movie of just this. That That is another one that I, I really loved. I love that. And I loved Angela Bassett. I love the Loretta Devine um, story because I think it's it's really fascinating to to watch somebody struggle with um, what they thought would work for them in life, which is like yeah. sticking to a path, sticking to the rules, you know, doing you know a certain thing a certain way, um, and just believing that that would lead you to life working out, but realizing like life is life, life isn't you know, it doesn't fit into this box. And are you going to, are you going to turn down what life is offering you because it doesn't necessarily fit, you know? Right. That's really fascinating. Yeah. I feel this way about pretty much every ensemble movie. I feel similarly about love actually, where mm -hmm. whenever you've got all these multiple stories going on, I feel like I end up enjoying half of them, mm -hmm. which for me makes it not, super enjoyable as a movie but i felt this way about this one where i love angela bassett's story i cannot take my eyes off her when she's on the screen it's every mm -hmm. second's amazing and she looks like she hasn't aged a day and i don't know what sort of magic she's using but i like <laughs> she is the poster child for black don't crack because she looks the same it is wild <laughs> it has been 25 years since this movie came out <laughs> Uh, but then also Loretta Devine's story, I feel like I'd watch both of those together 
as a mm-hmm. movie. And I feel mm-hmm. like you could almost make a really interesting movie of this idea of really investing in yourself as opposed to sacrificing for everyone else because that's really at the cornerstone of both of their stories where yeah. Angela Bassett can't do her catering and Loretta Devine has given up everything to raise her son and to make sure that he is okay and everyone else at church and everything is okay and there's really this concept of now they need to take a step out and really make a choice for themselves I feel like that's a movie yeah. the other two i'm like okay they're kind of here yeah i mean the thing that Le- layla's story could be there it's just we don't ever find out what it is that yeah. is her thing it's just like it almost is like the conceit is they want everybody to be like well you know you know you always have that friend you know it's like that thing that comedians do like everybody has that friend that like just can't get it together you know yeah. it's like you have a whole movie to tell us why she can't get it together. Yeah. That doesn't happen in a vacuum, you know, (laughs) where like, there's a reason she can't get it together. And it's because she loves Leon and like, how could you not? (laughs) But (laughs) um, Yeah. There, there's not a concrete explanation really of, of why she chooses the things that she does of why she ever slept with that drunk guy or like why she allows people to throw oranges at her uh, while wearing an orange dress. Um, There's not really, we don't get to know her very much at all, which I think is a little troubling because essentially we get to know her as an archetype, but not as a person. Yeah. And her life has the biggest consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everything I mean, in this episode is a spoiler. Sorry, everybody, but like, <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, you had twenty five <laughs> years. Um, now, here, let me pose some time travel to you. <laughs> okay. What if? What if she was Loretta Divine in the past? You're so stupid. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not happening in this movie. My brain is just trying to rewrite this movie. And I'm like, how does that story fit in? Well, if that child then becomes Donald Faison, then we've got a, now we've got a story. Now we know that, that self, yeah, that self-esteem and putting other people's desires and wants first before her own have been a pattern and something that she needs to break. We even see it with the first guy where the first guy, she's like, I don't want him touching me. And then she sleeps with him. It's like, you don't have to, no one's making you. He doesn't have a gun to your head. He's just pretending to be Cedric the entertainer for some reason to the point where I had to look up, to make sure that it wasn't Cedric the Entertainer. So I've seen that guy in other stuff. Right. So I guess I, I was wasn't. Like, I was like, that's <laughs> not Cedric. I was like, is this, this has been 25 years. Maybe Cedric looked different when he was younger. But like that, it looks enough like him, but it's not him. But I feel like that story makes sense to me too. Where it's like, she does all these things. Then she ends up with this baby and it perpetuates it until now towards the end of her life she has to make these I I say end of her life I think Loretta Devine's like 40 in this but like 
it it gets to that to me is a coherent story i feel like at the end of this movie angela bassett learns something even whitney houston learns something loretta devine learns something and leila rashad kind of learns something and just to well actually sorry just to, like this is a just an aside to tie us to some other things we've been talking about um, I've been rewatching uh, A Different World because it is on Amazon Prime. I noticed. <laughs> and I had forgotten that Loretta Devine was in A Different World. I, she wait. is the, um, she is like kind of the den mother. Okay. For Gilbert Hall, where okay. Denise moves her sophomore year, which is where they start the, 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 the season. Interesting. Yeah. And she's like really cute, and like your little high pitched voice, and it's just like, yeah, she's so she's there that first season. She's cute here, and and she's and this it was bothering me the entire time. I'm gonna have to go look it up after this because I've seen her in a million things, but -hmm. there's like one thing specifically, and I was like picturing it in my brain. I was like, she is in one of my favorite movies. What movie is it? (laughs) Like. (laughs) Like, I know I've seen her dozens of times in a million different movies, but I have, like, a very specific brain picture of her, and now I cannot think of what it is, or, or, it's, I'm gonna have to look it up, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, sorry, going back to that moment where Whitney decides that her body needs this man more than she needs to be with somebody who isn't going to use her toothbrush. Oh God. Um, <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? That's never happened to me. There's a comedian, um, Angela Johnson, um, who she has a bit about when she first gets uh, married to her husband. And I think she said something about how like he dropped his toothbrush one time or, or, or lost his, and he was like, oh, it's okay. I'll just use yours. See, Mary... Mary. Wait, like, that's an option for you? (laughs) Like, you're not even thinking twice about it? Like... (laughs) I I give it a pass when you're married, because I know my husband and I have definitely at least once shared a toothbrush. Mm -hmm. We're going to get hate mail for this. I'm... I'm absolutely sure it, it's only once that I can remember, and it was on vacation where one was lost. We weren't unable to get one, um, but I—it it was not first choice. Uh, but here's the thing: this is a person that she is—I mean, date—they—it's clear they've been on a few dates. But also, he's the one who like brought another girl to that first date at the restaurant. Or the the yeah. club in the middle of Phoenix, full of black people, and you never understand like what exactly happened there, though. Like we never get any any additional information. Although he says it's, he's like, I've been wanting to do this to you since New Year's, which is the party we see at the beginning. Yeah, we don't really know how far in the future this is, but also, why the hell are you gonna let that dude smash after he brought another date at New Year's? Like, yeah, yeah. What? And also, and also he growls. And also, um, well, okay. I give the growling a pass. 
Because oh, depending that what's on, going on your house. <laughs> hey, you know what? To be honest, I think it fits a little bit better at my house. <laughs> that well, I'll, it's not great. His is weird. That's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> that is it's it's put on like like that is a he is going full tiger king <laughs> yeah the i mean but here they've clearly been on a couple dates but you shouldn't be sharing toothbrushes after a cup i mean you should never share toothbrushes as a norm but yeah. like definitely not after a couple dates only uh you know and you should always foreplay foreplay there was no foreplay kick him out of your house so there's a guy um it's obviously a, a, a male i can tell who wrote a review of this movie on imdb um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the title of his review is frustrating dot 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 <laughs> <laughs> he said that's the word i'd use to describe the film an adaptation of terry mcmillan's 1992 bestseller it's not great it's not bad but it's frustrating to watch and the fact that i'm i'm of the male persuasion undoubtedly has something to do with it <laughs> okay <laughs> But I was just thinking, like, you know, there are a few times where they, there are a few times where, like, they do have these, you know, either monologues or there's dialogue about, like, what's wrong with men these days, that sort of thing. And it's just like, all of this, quite honestly, would be a lot more understandable and palatable to me if they were not in fucking Phoenix. I can't, I cannot handle the fact that they're like, like your pool already must be so small. Like, so you're already, what? I mean, if you're only dating black men, if that's what you're interested in, it seems like that's what they are, you know, according to this movie, then your pool is so small. Like, so you can't really blame the men, why Why would, I just feel like the whole <laughs> go movie. Go to Oakland, go to Atlanta. <laughs> I just, it, felt, it was untenable. I can't <laughs> understand. I was like, <laughs> so <of> <laughs> Oh, man. Never addressed, not once. Party <laughs> down. Sorry, that's that's the movie. That's it's a, it's a TV show it's she was yeah. in. Yes, and oh, and she's been on Drag Race a bunch of times. But yeah, spe- specifically Party Down. Um, and she originated um, one of the characters in Dreamgirls. She absolutely did. Mm-hmm. She absolutely. That's why she's on Drag Race all the time. Mm-hmm. She's usually on their either snatch game episodes or their acting challenges episodes. Yeah. I've met her a couple times. She seems awesome. Yeah. She's cool. I would be scared of Angela Bassett. I want to meet her, but I also am like, you open hand slap that white lady almost to death. (laughs) (laughs) Healthy fear. (laughs) Okay. Did or did not her ex-husband look like 
Michael B. Jordan in the future? Oh, that makes me very sad. <laughs> he he looks like he was played by yes. Michael B. Jordan, who is Benjamin Buttoning now to mm-hmm. younger Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I well, know. I mean, okay, but speaking of um, attractive men, um, Wesley Snipes is in this movie. And he looks amazing. He looks better than Leon. I'm going to say it. He looks better than Leon in this movie. And he's so good in this movie. Like, actually, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Is um, I... sobbed i started like that see this is why angela bassett's story is the best in the movie i was like when he's talking about his wife and how much he loves her and can i was just like (gasps) so beautiful yeah (laughs) i didn't realize there were going to be vampires in this and now (laughs) yeah wesley snipe was in there as i was trying to um i mean he's uncredited which blows my mind because I saw that's how I found Kelly Preston was I was like looking through the list and I was like where's Wesley Snipes and then it says Kelly Preston uncredited then Wesley Snipes uncredited and I'm like but he's a full-blown character in this movie right and so I was doing some digging and it sounds like um part of it is it part of it is the fact that that is a way for a way for like movies with a little bit smaller budgets to get around, you know, paying like exorbitant um, uh, salaries if the actor is willing to do it as a favor. So it seems mm, like he okay. went credited and like, I mean, not that he's not that he got zero money, but like probably took a different type of deal than he would have if he was on the, on the bill um, and just did it as a favor. Because to if he's doing it as a favor and he's not, and he's not credited, then he's not subject to union costs. Probably. Right. Pro- yeah, probably. Yeah, that's probably exactly what it is. Mm. Yeah. So, and I, and so apparently it's a thing that a lot of people do. And, but I was just like, wait, why would Wesley Snipes, who by then, you know, wasn't huge, but he was like a name. Huge I was star. like, that's weird. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But that's why. I mean, th- this is, this is literally like, this is Wesley Snipes heyday this is 1995 like career-wise by then he had done oh my god yeah like white men can't jump is 1982 um demolition man is 93 Tu wong fu is 95 so this is the same year he did Tu wong fu oh yeah so wait i'm i actually so you pointed out your favorite line i'm gonna i'm gonna find my favorite line i think my favorite line (laughs) was Oh yeah, it was something that Loretta Devine said. <laughs> oh yeah, so I don't rem- I didn't remember when this came up, but I I'm pretty sure it was Loretta. De- yeah, it was Loretta Devine. She said somebody said something to her, and then her response was, "Oh, that's right. It was when they were <laughs> she was getting bored with what was happening. She was <laughs> like, I could be home watching Good Times." <laughs> I was like, that is so fucking funny. <laughs> like the fact that a like <laughs> like she's out with friends, you yes. know, like <laughs> yes. and yet whatever they're doing is so absurd to her that like <laughs> my favorite is seconds after that happens, 
literally <laughs> seconds when Angela Bassett's on the dance floor and she says, how do you feel about her new haircut? And Leela Rashawn is like, I don't like it. And she's like, yeah, I don't like it either. And the Whitney Houston's like, I think it's all right. She's like, yeah, it's cool. Yes! <laughs> the, the immediate flip. Okay, so what I, what, see, that makes me sad again, because that was yeah. such a funny moment. They totally could have exploited as her character throughout, like, yes. and kind of played it as this recurring bit. Like you kind of see, oh, she, she's a little bit of a ditz, but like, I don't, there's no other point at which they like kind of refer to that again. But yeah, I mean, she has no opinions of her own is what's yeah. happening, you know, so that much so. That, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, it was wild. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So <laughs> if you, I mean, would, okay. If you watched it again, like, would you be fast forwarding? Um, no, no, because I feel like I missed things. Like there's so many things that are just kind of introduced without a lot of preamble and without a lot of information. I almost want to rewatch it and be like, did I miss a place where this was talked about or where we had some more information about why she was sleeping with someone doing crack? You know, like mm -hmm. what? Did we ever see them do crack? Did I miss that somehow? <laughs> um, I yeah, I, he, did, I, he did it with a white guy at oh, a at a party with like he, with again, weird white whites, white white, white devils. Um, I feel like I must have just been distracted by that amazing dress in that scene. <laughs> um, it was funny because she like walked in the party and like immediately was like. This is not for me. But she never said why other than like she just didn't feel like she fit in. And I was like, is it because there's no other black people? Because I feel like that's why you don't feel comfortable. Okay. Um, but you're not saying that. Like no one, yeah, no one says that. No one is like, it's Phoenix. That's why. <laughs> when and that that comes up earlier in the movie too, because when Angela Bassett is throwing all of the stuff in the car. One of the things that she mentions is you made my children go to school where they're the only other black children so mm. that they wouldn't have a bad influence, but you're the bad influence. Oh, and wow. Yeah. Now I'm like, well, yeah, because it's Phoenix. But then I'm like, where are we finding all the other black people? Though? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we're seeing these instances where there aren't any and where there really is a need to kind of. Like, even in his board meeting, he's the only one, you know, mm -hmm. that he and her stand out in that board meeting because there are no other black people. Mm -hmm. And those kind of things, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, it's Phoenix. But then we see scenes where it's like entire club full of black people. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, where are these people the rest of the time? Like, yeah, <laughs> clearly they also work in the world. Um, mm -hmm. Can you believe that fat nerd had the audacity to contradict her after she slept with him. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> now, these men, I, that, these men that sounded, <laughs> this sounded horrible and fat phobic. And that's, that was not my intention. Um, I, I found it interesting that all he wanted to do was sleep with her. He was like, happy to be there super excited and then the next day he's like well actually in this report like 
bitch, do you want anyone to touch your dick again? <laughs> Ever? She put on lingerie for him, which is like she more than me. most people deserve. <laughs> she put on lingerie and here he is ruining her fantastic presentation, which she has clearly prepared and researched as a woman at the top of her field. What I do want to say, though, is, uh, you know, there is a lot of like, you know, bashing whites, but I just want to give a shout out to that white firefighter that just let Angela Bassett close the door on him after telling him it won't happen. Wow. I what an MVP. So I feel like that that firefighter's inner monologue was like, no, nah, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> like this is Clearly she's been through a lot. And I mean, if she says it's trash, I can't tell her it's not trash. <laughs> but yeah, when she closed the door on him, I was like, wait, you're, you're allowed to do that. I don't think you are. I, I literally gasped. I was like, <laughs> uh, he's like, oh, ma'am. Ma- mm. But then he doesn't like, cause my, all I kept thinking was like in real life, they'd be knocking on the door again. Like, Hey, uh, that's not how this works. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, the, the the scene just, I was like, uh, I, yeah, I guess yeah. everything's okay. I guess Angela Bassett is free. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I was thinking, I was like, yeah, at the end of the movie where she burns the car, but, and now realizing that it's in the beginning of the movie as she's burning it, I was like, so she, does she spend the rest of the movie in jail or? And it's just never addressed again. And they're in the middle of a bitter divorce and she just burned all of his assets. And I was, and then sold the rest for a dollar. And I was like, there, how are there no consequences for this? (laughs) And they never bring it up. Like I would be like, they never high five over it. No. I I mean, she's like, I would have, if I had a, Oh my Paige. Yeah. If you ever set a man's car on fire, <laughs> I'm high-fiving you every time I see you. What it's, the fuck? I that's feel- like I'm calling you Firestarter from now on. Like, that's your name? And I, like, wish, what? I wish Left Eye was still with us so we could high-five right. her today. But, exactly. like, I, here's the other thing, too. We don't get a ton of information about their divorce and how it's going, and when somebody like leaves like that, you know, it's not just like, OK, I guess that's over. Except for that one time when she meets with that lawyer who, for lack of a better description, is wearing a jacket that looks like it's meant for people who lead choirs. Um, <laughs> but she's wearing it in the office and but is pulling it off mm-hmm. where I'm just like, this is a lot of look and yes. I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh and she's like, it's going to be a fight, but I'll try my best. And then we never hear about it again. We never hear about it again. And then when we do, that's when we find out like how much money was involved. And like, it's like, yeah, I get it. He owns a company or whatever. But like, I didn't know he was balling like that hard. Like, and it wasn't until the end when they mentioned like, oh, he's got this house in this place and in another country and, you know, cars. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'd be fucking pissed. Like, give me that information up top. Like, do you I'm think not gonna she get knew? 
yeah, I mean, that's why she went after it. I mean, yeah, maybe. I got the impression that because I was wondering if he was doing that that thing of like he has the extra houses because that's where he keeps the mistresses. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, yeah. Oh, man. Men in Phoenix, truly. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's what this episode Phoenix? is about. <laughs> Whitney Houston is a television producer in Phoenix? In Phoenix. And we didn't even talk about her mommy. But um, <laughs> Oh, that was her. Was messed up. That is so wild. I like her mom's like borderline crying. Like, why are you throwing your life away? And I'm just like, mom, this is not the advice you're supposed to be giving. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, well, God. I think, um, yeah, I think I would watch it again. See if I miss something. It definitely feels like, um, I mean, it's been raining a lot lately. It feels like a rainy day mm-hmm. movie, you know, like, yeah, I yeah. think ultimately there are issues it's you know (laughs) but but i would i would recommend it it's like it's a touch it feels like a touchstone yeah you know like not like i it's not like the world's gonna change but like yeah yeah uh it's it's not hard to watch and by that i Mm -hmm. i mean it's compelling you're interested in what's going on and there are some genuinely really good performances in it. There are some story problems and, you know, we went over a lot of it. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's not unpleasant as a movie. Like sometimes when movies are bad, you're just like, how can I even get through this? This mm-hmm. is not one of those movies. I can see yeah. why people like it and why it became yeah. a touchstone because it's easy to watch. It's interesting. There's so many famous people in it doing great it is a horny movie (laughs) like they're definitely this is the perfect ant movie yeah the perfect ant. i love that like if you have Um, an unmarried auntie this is her movie (laughs) i think i'm uh, so i'm just i'm right now in this moment coming up with a rating system for when we do these movies all right um i'm gonna give it three out of five hair picks yeah yeah no i think that's accurate i was a little surprised by the amount of relaxer in this movie yeah where well and i think because there's a barbershop involved that i was just Mm -hmm. like man and then i remembered it was the 90s and i was jealous of all their fashions and well, it didn't look like movie. Angela had a relaxer. It looked like she had, um, or at least initially, she had she just gotten it pressed. Yeah. Um, she had just gotten it straightened, which is why Loretta was so upset that she was cutting it all off because she had taken such good care of it. Yeah. Um, so it was like super long. I like it but short, yeah. though. I it like it both too. ways. Yeah. Yeah, three, um, okay. three out of five hair picks, I think, is pretty yeah. accurate. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, this was fun. Um, I think next time we'll probably do five heartbeats. Oh yeah, yeah. This yeah. made me want more Leon than ever. Yeah. So we'll see if we can get Camelia to get back on with us too. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so much fun. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to Black Card Rehab. Um, Please uh, write us a review, um, rate us five stars and 
tell somebody about the podcast, especially in Louisiana. I feel like there are black people in Louisiana and they might want to listen to this podcast. Or Phoenix. And I keep seeing yeah, or fucking Phoenix. I'm I feel like we're gonna get whatever, you know, like <laughs> the, so many I emails. Didn't, I like, didn't write this movie. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm black and in Phoenix. How dare you? Um but yeah, thank you for listening, you guys. Stay safe out there and we'll be black next time. <laughs> <laughs>